Hey, friends. Andy here. Um, unfortunately, no regular episode of Lucky Paper Radio this week. Anthony and I had a very dear friend commit suicide last week, and we do not feel up to recording an episode. So, um, Parker and his wife Kennedy have graciously stepped up to record an episode in our place. And I just want to say that if you like Lucky Paper Radio, if you think Anthony or I are funny or interesting or smart or whatever, then uh, you probably would have loved Day. He's um, He was a dear friend of ours for 14 years, and I, uh, I like to think that he played a big part in shaping the adult I became. He was always a big role model of mine. And I can't speak for Anthony, but... I think he would say something similar. So, um, if you want to do something, I'm going to link to the American Association of Suicidology in the show notes. And, uh, and you can also just, um, just go donate blood. Day always donated blood every, uh, every two months for the entire time I knew him, basically. Just because it was the right thing to do. Never made a big deal about it or anything, but... That's just who he was. So, um, tell your friends you love them, and we'll be back whenever we're able. Thanks for your understanding. Welcome to another episode of Lucky Paper Radio. I'm your host, Parker Dark Andy Lamascus, here with my co-host, Kennedy Boros to the Bone McAllister. Kennedy, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. You know, 2020 has been a year of cube for the two of us, hasn't it? It sure has. I think it's mostly due to quarantine. We have just been playing a lot of two-player draft formats with each other. Yes, seven of them to be exact. Wow, I didn't realize it was that many. And I don't think we would have gotten there if you weren't such a spikeopath, as I realized. <laughs> you really only play because you want to beat me, and that's all there is to it. Mm, yeah, I would say that that's probably true. Oh. Um, although, about draft three of quarantine, I started enjoying the idea of like tribal decks and I got a little more into the flavor than I had been before. Yeah, I remember once you tried to tell me that if Sarah Angel were a textless, artless card that just said card 94A44 Flying Vigilance that you wouldn't like it anymore, then... Well, yeah, who wouldn't want to look at that beautiful hair? Yeah, that's true. So I guess you have gotten a little bit more into the flavor for its own sake and not just game pieces that you can use to beat me. Right. Okay. So on today's episode of Lucky Paper Radio, we're going to talk a little bit about contextual card evaluation because, unfortunately, it's something that I really need to work on. Oh, don't we all? Yeah, I think it's actually one of the hardest things of magic in general is learning when to abandon your heuristics or at least reshape them. 
especially if it's a good heuristic. I mean, mm-hmm. the better a heuristic is, the harder it is to abandon it when it's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. So to do that, we're going to first segue into our listener-submitted Pack One, Pick One. Is there some theme music that goes here? Yeah, I think so. I don't hear it, though. Do you? No. Okay. Our Pack One, Pick One this week comes from listener Jordan who goes by Jay Selzo on Cube Cobra. Jordan's actually a personal friend of Kennedy's and mine. Mm-hmm. And we had the opportunity to draft this cube, what was it, last week, two weeks ago? Uh, something like that. Yeah, the time is blending together. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's just dive right in. I'll read the cards in the pack, and then you tell me what your top two or three are. Okay. Okay. We've got Temple Garden, Bloodstained Mire, Sky Marcher Aspirant, Marsh Flats, Massacre Worm, Hypnotic Specter, Phoenix of Ash, Woodland Cemetery, Chart a Course, Lava Claw Reaches, Rakdos Signet, Mana Tithe, Vincer, Shaper Savant, Elvish Mystic, and Ransack the Lab. Whoa, that's a fun pack. My pack one pick one would have to be Mana Tithe because, I mean, how often do you see a white? This is true, and I also want to make it known that you are perhaps the world's most effective user of Mana Tithe. When we were playing this cube in real life, you had it in your deck, mm-hmm. and what happened? Did I I booster tutored, and the booster that I opened was pretty good. I was playing red, and I opened a Chandra Torch of Defiance, mm-hmm. and then I went to cast it in the same turn, mm-hmm. and then I heard my opponent say no, and I was like, what? But I'm playing a Boros deck. <laughs> and turns out it was Manatithe. It was Manatithe. Oh, man. I think, actually, I did pick Manatithe fairly early on. And typically, as my heuristics, thanks teacher, have taught me, I look for lands in the beginning stages of a draft. In this particular pack, there's a lot of dual-colored lands. So if I were going the land route, I'd probably go Temple Garden because it's the only fetchable and... Well, Parker here knows how I hate non-fetchable lands. Yeah, that's true. You really, really do hate those. But because it's white-green, it would probably give me a little bit of pause. And Manatide being such a low cost, I'd probably snag that even if I pivoted away from white. Wow. That, that is so interesting. Okay, so we're going to have to do a second pack one, pick one here to examine those contextual card evals because... Those heuristics you're using are really good, but you've honed them using the cube that you and I play most frequently, Mm -hmm. which is a slightly different environment. So I guess to share my thoughts on this pack, I'm thinking initially that Elvish Mystic looks really good to me. I like to, having played this cube, I realize that it's important to accelerate one's mana. Games can go slowly, and I've found that whoever resolved the first six drop and, and got it to stick around was pretty heavily favored in the game. So as a result, I would want to accelerate my mana as much as possible with Elvish Mystic. Mm. In close second place are the fetch lands because, again, we have a lot of good six drops and a lot of good gold cards in this cube. And as a result, I would want to be able to cast my bombs. Mm-hmm. However, that's not what I picked in real life. When we drafted this, along with Jordan and some other local 
Magic players, I ended up picking to go into mono red. So in this pack, I probably would have first picked Phoenix of Ash in real life. Even with a double red? Yeah, because, well, this this goes to our point about contextual card evaluation because I had looked at Jordan's list and I realized that there was quite a few red one drops, quite a few red two drops that were aggressive, and several premium red aggro three drops. Phoenix of Ash being one of those premium three drops. Part of me thinks it's maybe red's best aggressive three drop because it doesn't die to removal in the same way that Goblin Rabble Master does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember passing that card along in the draft and regarding it later. Yeah, well, as it turns out, I was using the wrong heuristics myself. I had been trained using earlier versions of my own cube, and we're talking like 13 mountain aggro, you know, something like eight one drops curves out to three mana instead of five mana like many of the decks in Jordan's cube. In other words, my heuristics were mistuned, and as a result, I ended up building a low-curving red aggressive deck that was not situated well for this metagame. So, in other words, I, I ended up going like one win, two losses, and it was not close. I was not going to win those two matches, probably no matter what. That's true. <laughs> I I appreciate your vote of confidence there. Well, it's just you were playing me. Oh, so. yeah, I, I had no chance against you. And actually, that's really funny because you were playing a Boros deck, and it was, it was aggressive, but also a little slower than the aggro decks you and I are used to. Definitely. It had enough aggression to get people down to the wire early on, but I couldn't ever quite cinch the win. Mm. And then, unfortunately, it had enough steam where it made me feel like in, I could make a long game happen, uh, but never quite got there. So I think I ended up getting like fourth. You know, fourth is a lot better than seventh, which is what I got. So I wouldn't beat yourself up too much. <laughs> Something I did enjoy about this draft um, is I was paying a little bit more attention to flavor and things like that. Cards weren't just... 1A, 1B, 1C, etc. Um, I tried to play off of the warrior type. So I had Cargath. Is that his name? Mm. One red. I have no idea. He's a three oh, oh, Cargan Intimidator. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, whatever. You also got me with that card. I. What did I do? Did I chump block? And then you just I very calmly, <laughs> very calmly pumped it in response, and I was just, oh, that ruined my day. <laughs> Yeah, so I had that card and eh, like maybe five, four or five other warrior type cards. So in the few games that I did have multiple warriors on the battlefield, it was awesome because then I could turn an opponent's card into warrior into a coward, excuse me, and swing with all of my warriors and wouldn't be able to be blocked. But yeah. So okay, so this is actually a really good summary of why I think you performed better than I did in this draft. You tuned your deck to go a little slower than mine, and you also incorporated these small pockets of synergy. Cargan Intimidator keys off of Warriors, and so you put a lot of Warriors in your deck. I know that you played Showdown of the Scalds, that new powerhouse from Kaldheim, it's a saga, 
mm-hmm. and you leverage that pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was just on a red beat down and burn plan with very little synergy. I mean, apart from the synergy that Lightning Bolt has with winning the game. Mm-hmm. And I think not only did I evaluate cards inappropriately for this context, I also didn't have my deck evaluation ready. Because in this metagame, in Jordan's Cube, I noticed that there's relatively a lot of life gain cards. So I'm going to try and avoid value judgments. Per last week's Lucky Paper Radio episode on good cube criticism. So I won't say whether I like these things because that's just not helpful. But I do notice that Jordan's Black section especially has a lot of life gain incidentally. And those tools combined with some really powerhouse six drops. In this pack, we see Massacre Worm. I also know that Jordan is running most of the Titan cycle. Mm. Those cards are able to really turn the corner in the game. And as such, a low-curving red aggressive deck that's maybe not quite as consistent isn't going to get there. It's going to be outraced by life gain, and then those slower decks can leverage the six drops to turn the corner. Mm -hmm. Whereas your deck was able to fight through some of that late-game grind much better. And your small pockets of synergy compensated for the fact that you were two colors and maybe a little less consistent on your mana than a monocolored deck. Right. Unfortunately, I was the two colors who draw cards the least, so I ended up having to top deck in most of my games just hope that it wasn't another land. Yeah, top decking is the worst. Bad beats. That's all I have to say. <laughs> True, but probably won't stop me from going Boros in the next draft. So That's right. I said Boros to the bone for a reason. <laughs> okay, so thank you, Jordan, for, first of all, letting us draft your cube last week, but mm-hmm. also sharing your pack one, pick one. If you would like your cube fe- featured on a future episode of Lucky Paper Radio, Send it to mail at luckypaper.co. Send your name and your pronouns, and we will talk about your cube on a future episode. Musical stinger. All right, so that was our listener-submitted Pack One Pick One, and now we get a nepotism Pack One Pick One because we're going to talk about my cube. Now, I've chosen this pack intentionally as a case study in contextual deck and card evaluation. So let's let's read the pack. We've got Abbot of Carol Keep. Mm-hmm. We've got Shardless Agent. Vendetta. Phoenix of Ash. Mm-hmm. Same as last pack. Hangerback Walker. Doretti Ingenious Iconoclast. Copperline Gorge. Ultimate Price. Huntmaster of the Fells. Badlands. Marsh Flats. Swords to Plowshares. Archangel Avison. Liliana of the Vale. And... Blight Step Pathway. Kennedy, what are you thinking about this pack? Ooh. I know, it's tough. <laughs> it is tough. Would you... Okay, maybe this is a good time for our PSA. Would you like me to read these cards to you and explain what they do? Um, no, thank you. I can read myself. Okay. So, the PSA, I guess, is... <laughs> <laughs> just because you are slow at reading, don't... Explain the cards to you? Yeah. Um, something I've noticed being a new drafter myself, in in you know group settings anyway, is that I am a little bit slower reading. I, Parker can attest to this, I do not enjoy wordy cards. No. Um, if, if a card has more than three lines of text, I'm usually not reading it. 
at all. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been kind of an annoyance. And I think maybe if I just, like, sucked it up and, and read the cards, I could figure out drafting and, like, card evaluating a little bit better. But, ah, well. Um, I'll keep my Alexander Clamilton. Okay. Anywho. So, I guess, answer me one question. What, if, as a newer drafter, you know my cube really well. So you've got 384 cards like on lock, you know them, right. but then other cubes you're maybe not as familiar with. And so what's helpful when, when you're facing a new board state? Yeah, when I'm facing a new board state, somebody plays a new card, I just want them to let me read it. You can mm. cast it, let me read it, and decide if I want to respond, um, but don't like hand it to me to read and then try to talk and explain while I'm trying to read it. Mm. <laughs> like, just shut up for a second. Yeah. And yeah, I, I've noticed, um, I think the first time we went and played, also this is a good time to do a little plug for Philly Game Shop in... Yeah, it's the store that we've been going to, to, to draft socially distanced a little bit. Yeah. It's been really great. Yeah, so if you're in the Philly area, you should check it out. It's on like South and 5th. Um, Kevin and Taylor run this awesomely cute little shop. Go buy a board game, sign up for a draft. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what was I saying? <laughs> I think you were saying something about what's helpful when you are facing an unknown board state. Oh yeah, something I noticed is that seasoned Magic players are just so fast. And I know that part of it is like, you are trying not to make the game drag out so long. Um, but for a new player, it's kind of intimidating. Mm. Um, and I'm just like, slow down for a second and let let me have a chance. Like, I just feel a lot of extra pressure a lot of times unnecessarily to play quickly. So, just relax, everybody. It's not a race. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is it's okay to, when you're playing with a newer player, it's okay to slow down a little bit, let them read your cards, and... Even though we might be conditioned from like casual EDH to explain our cards as we play them because the table's too big for everybody to read your card four times, that might not be the best instinct at a 1v1 setting. Right. Okay. Especially well, maybe when you're playing the only woman in the room. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's another good op or another good reason to make magic more inclusive. And that's right. Teach your sisters. Teach your sisters. Teach your friends. Yeah. All right. Okay, so I guess let's circle back around to this pack one, pick one. What card are you looking at out of this pack from Mordor's Cube, which is what I call my list? All right, Mordor. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, Swords to Plowshares is what I'm looking at. Mm. One drop, instant in white, you get to exile a creature. I would be hard... I would... Have to think twice. I might instead go for Marsh Flats, but I think the likelihood of either of those cards wheeling back to me is low. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good pick in, in my list. So I'll contrast this a little bit to Jordan's Hubris Cube, which is what we looked at in our listener-submitted Pack One, Pick One. My cube, by contrast, is much more heavily multicolor. There's a larger percentage of fixing lands in my list. There's a 
overall lower curve. I don't run any six drops, I don't think, except for Shark Typhoon, mm. which you never cast for six, really. Well, you have. I Yeah, I have, but it's not the norm. And then I think there's there's really no five drops at all. This this particular pack has Archangel Avacyn, but that's the most expensive card in the list otherwise. Everything else is below five mana. And as a result, this cube is, in general, a little faster gameplay. It's, it's possible to die on turn four. We don't see any Naya Zoo cards in this pack, but I do support that deck. And it turns out that Wild and the Cattle beating down as a 3-3 on turn <laughs> one is a pretty fast clock. <laughs> Certainly is. So this changes the context quite a bit. Whereas in Jordan's cube, I first picked, I would be happy to first pick a Phoenix of Ash. In this cube, even though Phoenix of Ash is in this pack, I am not looking at it at all. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of three drops in this list. There are not plenty of swords to plowshares. Mm -hmm. So one mana efficient removal, especially something as frankly certifiably broken as swords to plowshares, is really at the top of my pick order. Right. With Vendetta coming in. Exactly. You know, that anticipates my next point. If swords were not in this pack, I would actually be most likely to pick Vendetta. Vendetta is a common instant kill spell from, well, I think it was last printed in Rise of the Eldrazi. So it's just an ancient little card. Destroy target non-black creature. It can't be regenerated. You lose life equal to that creature's toughness. And it costs only a single black for an instant. So this is... I mean, certifiably much worse than Swords to Plowshares, but because it's one mana and because it's efficient creature interaction in this unforgivingly fast format, that really puts it in second place for me. Mm -hmm. And only then do I think about Marsh Flats or Badlands or Copperline Gorge. These are premium fixing lands, but because my cube has such heavy multicolor and I run nine cycles of dual lands out of 384 cards, mm. I know that I'm going to get some lands later in the packs, especially when I'm not drafting with the Cube Cobra bots who pick lands super highly. I know that I'm going to get fixing lands, and so I don't need to prioritize them quite as heavily. I'm also running double fetches, which I think is a change you like, right? Yeah. Yeah. So these things aren't quite as high a priority as the simple almost filler cards of one mana interaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just that, how would anybody know that before they're playing? Yeah, that's the trick, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you haven't looked at the Cube Cobra spreadsheet, if you haven't read the list, these aren't things you can know a priori. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's really the difficulty and the beauty of cube design is that a card like Phoenix of Ash in two different lists can take on radically different roles mm -hmm. and be radically different in the pick order. If it wasn't clear, Phoenix of Ash is more or less at the last, it, it's at the tail end of this pack for me, whereas in Jordan's Hubris Cube, it was one of my first picks. Here I'm picking it below any land, any two mana threat, any three mana planeswalker. I pretty much only pick it over ultimate price, I think, in this list. Mm. But that also just might be my style. I'm less of a zoo player than you are. Again, Boros to the bone here. What can I say? I love the animals. 
<laughs> Give me a curd ape any day. <laughs> I will say there is nothing better than the revised art for curd ape. It's just a gorilla <laughs> from the zoo. I think they just took a picture of it. <laughs> oh boy. And then the flavor text on the on the later edition is what really gets me. It puts the fur in fury. I think it's a classic yes. magic pun. Yes. And for that reason, I actually run both versions of Curd Ape. I can't, I can't bring myself to cut one or the other. <laughs> the derpy art is amazing. The flavor text is amazing. I can't choose. So. Yeah, there's nothing like those old magic derp arts with animals. <laughs> that is the truth. Curd that Ape, is the truth. Winter orb with that little. Oh, with the polar bears. Polar bear. From Mark to Ooh. Dean. Yeah, it's a great art. <laughs> So, if you have any tips on trying to read a draft, send them to us. Yeah. Like to know. Record yourself in a voice memo. Send it to mail at luckypaper.co. Include your name. Include your pronouns. We would love to hear from you on how you draft with respect to the context of a cube. Musical stinger. That is it for this episode of Lucky Paper Radio. All our music is produced by DJ James Nasty. All our favorite pieces of cardboard are made by Wizards of the Coast. All the listening is done by you, and all the talking is done by Kennedy and myself. Kennedy, thanks for talking about magic with me. Of course. Okay, so I think you have a recipe to end the show, is that right? I do. Um, and if you can't tell from our accents, we're, we're not from the Northeast, so we've got a pretty banging salsa recipe mm-hmm. up our sleeves. Um, so get ready because here it comes. Salsa, you're going to want six Roma tomatoes, you okay. know, depending on the size, five to seven. Uh, a couple of your favorite choice peppers. We do jalapenos because that's what we grow in our garden. I really like long hot peppers too. Unsurprisingly, they're long and they're hot, mm-hmm. but they have a milder flavor, I think, than uh, jalapenos and yeah. a little more smoky. If you ask me. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so two to three of your choice peppers. You want half a red onion. And you want your food processor. Because that's the easiest way to do this. So I throw um, the onion and the two peppers, two or three peppers, in my food processor with a tablespoon of olive oil and a tablespoon of vinegar. You can do white vinegar or you can do apple cider vinegar. Um, and I blend those up and I let them rest for a little bit while I get everything else together. Because thanks to um, salt, fat, acid, heat and Samin Nasrat, we learned that acid tames the flavor of the onion and it also tames the hotness of the pepper. So if you are trying to, you know, have a more generally pleasing salsa for varying heat tolerances, you can leave those soaking for up to 15 minutes. Okay, so the vinegar kind of acts to tame the like onion breath and the and the extreme spiciness of the peppers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, so spices, while the onion and jalapenos are taming, um, I get together a teaspoon of cumin, a teaspoon of coriander, and a teaspoon of minced garlic you know the kind that comes in the little glass jar yep and then half a teaspoon of sea salt half a teaspoon of black pepper and then i sprinkle a little bit of cayenne 
Okay. In it. Are you like measuring these things with a spoon, or are you just kind of eyeballing? No, I'm I'm using the teaspoon, tablespoon. Okay, but it's not like super precise, is it? No, and okay. most of them are like heaping tablespoons. <laughs> okay, heaping teaspoons. Yes, teaspoons, heaping teaspoons. Yeah, so I get all those together. I throw them in the food processor. I squeeze a whole lime over those things, and I blend them up. And then I start cutting up the Roma tomatoes. and um, Yeah, and you can make it as chunky as you want. You can. I like mine to have a little more texture. Kennedy likes hers a little smoother. Mm-hmm. And you can, like, I've also made this salsa just by chopping the vegetables. You yeah, don't you have to food too. process if you want it really textured. Yeah, if you want it really textured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the great thing about this salsa is that it serves as the basis for our guacamole. It also serves as the basis of queso when we make that. You can yeah. use it in place of Rotel anytime. Mm-hmm. It's a great, versatile little recipe. And the fastest way to make guacamole is to take a ripe avocado, chop it up, uh, you mash it with a fork a little bit, and then you... Put a little sprinkle of salt, more salt than you would expect, maybe even like a teaspoon or so for one avocado. And then you put some lime, maybe half a lime, and salsa. Mix it up. And of course, we're, we're not being too precise here because the ultimate litmus test of salsa quality is you just got to taste it. Yeah. And that's the fun part. spoon of those three and then half half a or did I say tablespoon? I don't know. I don't either. All right let's start up the spices. Okay. (laughs)